0: the volume being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen it's up, it's up. and with resi priority notify and global dining access through my amex platinum card right this way it's nice to try someone else's food for a change that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpress.com slash with amex
1: it's freddie prince jr and jeff died back in the ring wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season hey jeff
4: Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. There's a lot of reasons. It's America's number one sportsbook. Incredibly easy to use. Super safe. Totally secure. Super fast payouts in as quick as two hours. You're not going to get that anywhere. Also, same game parlay bets. Live betting. It's the best. Hey, if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I did it in 15 seconds. Get started now. Sign up. Please use the promo code Colin so they know we sent you. Please use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook app. Sign up. Hi, everybody. Ten minutes from now, Lewis Riddick, ESPNer, former NFL exec and player. He's going to be joining us. Can't wait. I was thinking about this on this Thursday morning with the Cowboys and the Saints playing tonight. Saints are not a very good team. I never begrudge anybody. I don't have envy when it comes to people making a lot of money. But if you're going to get paid $40 million, you've got to be able to win without Amari Cooper. And Baker Mayfield can win when everybody's healthy. Aaron Rodgers is now 10-1 and one in his career without Devontae Adams. To me, as good a receiver as the NFL has, maybe only behind DeAndre Hopkins and slightly ahead of Stephon Diggs. Ten and one. Aaron Jones is out. He lost his Pro Bowl center from last year. He lost his Pro Bowl level tight end. These are key offensive pieces. Aaron Rodgers just keeps winning. Patrick Mahomes had a rebuilt offensive line. Lost Top running back. Sammy Watkins in the offseason. Tough early schedule. Yet they've beaten every average team they've played. They've beaten Washington and they've beaten the Giants and they, they beat Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers. Like Dak Prescott needs to beat the Saints. Amari Cooper is a good receiver. Dak Prescott's passer rating goes from 103 to 93 without Amari Cooper. He goes from 305 yards a game passing to 220 yards a game. From 69% completion percentage to 64.5 completion percentage, Amari Cooper is not that special. It's also a team that's got other weapons beyond Amari Cooper. I never ever resent people making money. My concern with Dak is always, all right, what happens when you lose your left tackle, your star receiver? Okay, Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I think we should have two tiers for paying quarterbacks in this league: the big bag and the small bag. I'm still going to argue, Dak's probably. Closer to the 29 million than the 45 million. I don't begrudge it, but watching him not quite be the same without Amari Cooper? Come on, that's the difference between the big bag to me, regardless if you get it or not. Kirk Cousins can win when everybody's upright. Derek Carr beating the Cowboys and Dak without Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller, the tight end, like that feels like a big bag performance to me. You know, one of the advantages to being older, I'm in my 50s now, you know that, is that just life experience. Uh, You can go to a prep school, you can go to Princeton, but if you're 24, there's limitations on what you've actually done in your life. And I've really come to terms where there are two types of people, people that seek and like change and people that are totally uncomfortable with change. And I told you a couple of months ago about a story from a University of Chicago economist named Stephen Levitt, who co-wrote Freakonomics. And he asked 20,000 people to make a decision on a dilemma based on the results of a coin toss. Like, should I start my own business? Or should I propose? Should I grow a beard? If a coin landed on heads, they had to make a change, even if they didn't want to. Tails, and they didn't have to make a change. And six months later, they did follow-up research. And what they found was for important decisions like quitting a job or ending a relationship, people who were told they had to make a change were more satisfied and happier than those that maintain the status quo. Meaning some people have to be forced to make changes. They're just not naturally innately comfortable with it. There's a reason I support Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley. And maybe this is my progressive side. I I embrace change. I like change. As I've gotten older, I've noticed this. There's just people. They're often, I would call traditionalists, they're often conservatives. They don't like change. They like the way the world is now and it used to be. They don't like change. But as the study proved, when they're forced to change, they're generally six months later happy with the change. It can be any kind of change, a a business move, a, a relationship. Uh, growing a beard. I've come to realize whenever these coaches or these star players leave a city, half the fan base immediately gets it and the other half stubbornly resents it. And I don't try to fight them on it. I just think think people fall into two groups. Some are very resistant to anything changing and have to sometimes be forced to change. And then eventually – They get over it. And some people are just naturally more willing to change. Well, you know him as an analyst for Monday Night Football. What you probably know, but I'll remind you, he played in the NFL for the Falcons, Browns, and Raiders. He was an NFL safety and a thumper. Uh, He was a pro personnel director for Philly and the Washington football team. And I can remember years and years and years ago when he stepped foot on ESPN's campus and my career was kind of starting as a syndicated radio host, and I had heard him on one of the sports centers. And I told my staff, I said, "Who is that guy?" And Google. So I went to Google, and I'm like, "Get that guy. That guy's good. He's confident. He's got a he's got a point of view." Well, now Lewis Riddick. So I'm taking all the credit for Lewis Riddick's stardom. I'd like to take all the credit for putting him in the herd. First of all, it's great to see you. You flourish. That's not a big shock. You're you're very good at what you do, and you have a point of view. And I've always loved that. So I'm going to ask your point of view on something. Yeah. So my takeaway on the Giants is, (laughs) you you can get everything right in this league. Yeah. You screw up the quarterback, it doesn't matter. And I, me, I like the Giants roster mostly. Mm -hmm. I just never bought into Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. You tell me. You've done this twice with teams. Is the roster? I'm not. I'm not saying it's Tampa. I'm not saying it's Buffalo. Yeah. But is it a Daniel Jones issue or is it a Gettleman roster issue?
5: <sighs> Colin, I know people want to like boil it down to one or the other. It depends what the situation is, right? I mean, there's been moments. There's been moments where he doesn't have a shot because the offensive line protection is just, I mean, it's horrific, okay? He can't get back to, he can't run a three-step drop without getting hit in the face. He can't run a screen without getting pressured to the point where he can't even deliver the ball accurately on a screen play on a second and long type of situation. Then there's times where the pocket is secure. Maybe the receivers are covered. It gets late in the down. He starts to scramble. He gets outside the pocket. Then he commits some kind of fatal error, you know, late in the down, those interceptions where he throws it in the tight coverage. Maybe someone's hanging on him. He makes it, he makes a play like that. Then there's times where it's just perfect. and he misses them. Then there's a time where, you know what? He throws one of the best deep balls especially in 2020 that you'll ever see. I mean him and Darius Slayton in 2020 were deadly. This year, not so much. Then you see what happened with Jason Garrett. So it's a, there's a bunch of different things. There's a bunch of different things that are that are going on here and looking and in the end what John Mayer has to figure out is what is it more of? Is it more of Daniel? Is it more of the offensive line? Is it more of the play calling? He's tried to look, look, they've already started to like kind of chip away at, okay, well, we don't like how the play calling is going. So we're going to get Jason Garrett out of here. Now it's Freddie kitchen's turn. Now it's going to be, look, the offensive line's a little bit beat up. They lost a bunch of people, especially on the interior. Now it's going to be, well, let's just see how it goes with the new play caller, whether or not Daniel Jones plays with more, with more confidence. The weaponry on the outside, people need to stay healthy. They need to stay on the football field because guys are in and out. Saquon Barkley, in and out. There's so much, man, that I wouldn't want to be in this position to try and figure out exactly what it is. Is it him or is it everything around him? Is it him or is it the structure? Is it him or is it the weapon? I mean, Because it's been so damn inconsistent in terms of all of those things. I don't know if you can make a clear cut, it's this. Or it's that. And that's the worst place to be in. Because you know where that leaves you? That leaves you consistently, like, maybe holding on to false hope when someone has a good game here and there instead of starting over. Maybe sometimes you cut the cord too soon. Then the guy goes somewhere else where the structure is more solid and in place. And then he flourishes and people go, you idiot. Why'd you send him down the road? Because you can't ever kind of get things stabilized. And for me personally, I think that's where they are. They can't get anything stabilized there. So I don't know if they're going to know even coming out of this year, regardless of how he plays for the rest of this season.
4: Yeah, it's hard to get clarity with the Giants because there are elements I like, but they're not consistently great. Like they're D-lined. There's elements to the team I really, really like. So let's go to another situation. So I'm from the Pacific Northwest, and I've known Pete. I covered him when he was at USC. Um, Every division in the NFC is led by an offensive head coach. Mm-hmm. In the AFC West, it is as well. My coach of the year would be Cliff Kingsbury or Zach Taylor, offensive coaches. Yep. The team that's not really a playoff team now, but that's emerging is San Francisco, an offensive coach. Now, we know Sean McDermott, Belichick, that division. There's some real good coaches. I like Flores. Sure. But Pete Carroll, 70. I've had two executives tell me they're weird in the draft. They don't like their draft picks, especially early. Their schemes appear to be offensively a struggle. Mm-hmm. Often great defensive coaches don't have great offensive relationships and vice versa. I mean, I would bet Lincoln Riley has great offensive relationships, you know, yeah. maybe more than great defensive relationships, right? Like that's how coaches often operate. Sure. So Pete 70. It feels Jurassic. The schemes, the O-line's bad. The running backs are weak. And then Russell Wilson and his team leak There's four places they want out. That's disruptive. If you or John Snyder tomorrow, Mm -hmm. there's some things we know are good. There's some things we know are bad. Is
5: it a total rebuild outside of Russell? Philosophically, they have to figure out going forward, and even for the rest of this year, exactly who are they? Who do they want to be? Go back to the Pittsburgh game, Sunday night game. First half of the game, now I know Geno Smith is starting the game and Russell's not. First half of the game, that's throwing the ball all over the place. You know, 11 personnel, three wides, a tight in the back, going empty, and it's Geno Smith throwing like he's back at West Virginia, all over the place. But they can't get the, can't get the ball in the end zone. And you can tell Pete's getting frustrated. Second half, what do they come out and do? They drive the ball right down the field by running the ball maybe eight times in a row. It looked like Seattle 2011, 12, 13, which is who I think I, I think ultimately – that's who he wants to be. But, and that, and that's fine, because you know what? There's some teams right now that kind of look like 2011, 12, and 13 Seattle that right now are going to be in the hunt in the end. Yeah, in we, New England. New England looks like that, exactly. San Francisco, if they can stay healthy, they look like that. And that, that kind of stuff, it does matter in November and December. But philosophically, they're so all over the place and their offensive line isn't good enough to where it's hit and miss now. It's hit and miss all over. And if Russell's not there to be the difference maker, which he wasn't for a while, it can fall apart. Defensively, you're right. Look, they since the Legion of Boom got split up, they haven't been able to recapture that magic. They can't rush the passer the same way. And you're right. They have missed on some draft picks, especially in the front seven. There is no more. There are no you know, uh, Chris Clemens on, on that football team that can rush the passer the way those guys could. There are no Cliff Averill's that can rush the passer like that. There is no Michael Bennett. You know, Bobby Wagner is really the only last holdover from those glory years. And so I think personally that whole organization is headed for a rebuild. It's headed for a reboot. That's what I think is going to happen sooner rather than later. Although both John and Pete are locked up for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I think it's going to need that, though, sooner rather than later, a reboot.
4: Yeah, well, it's Paul Allen money. He passed. His sister now owns it. So writing big checks is not a problem for them. I think what you touched on is Pete has really struggled with an identity. I I don't feel like – you know, it's interesting about this. I think the Miami Dolphins, I'll pivot to them. Mm -hmm. They've found their identity. Mm -hmm. Is play good defense special teams. I'm a huge Brian Flores fan. Yeah. Limit. What we ask of Tua Mm -hmm. and Lewis, you can win three out of four games in this league playing that way. No doubt. Just don't ask Tua to be what he's not. They're not asking Mac Jones. To me, Miami feels like a poor man's New England. Yeah. I don't know if you can win the Super Bowl with Mac or Tua. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I'm Miami's GM today, Chris Greer. It's not a great college class. I don't want to reach. I still have to rebuild my offensive line. Yeah, I'm not a big Tua fan. I don't see the it. Mm-hmm. I I wonder if he ends the year strongly. I just don't go to my owner and like, listen, will you be patient one more year with me? Right. I'm not going to reach on a college quarterback yeah. when I can get a starting right tackle or a starting, you know, a starting wideout or a starting corner. I mean, where do you go in your opinion with Tua?
5: Yeah, I'm I'm always I've always been a fan, Colin. And I believe this. I think we become in many ways enamored with the aesthetics of the position instead of the fundamentals of the position. Meaning it's interesting. I want to see the dynamic plays. I want to see the off-schedule. See, Patrick, you know what? And I think, you know, God bless him, because I love him. And we all know, I mean, he's the future. he's gonna, you'll see as we go on the rest of this year and on forward, Patrick will get back to being what he is. I think some of the spectacular plays will calm down because teams won't let them do it anymore. But we become so like, like that's the standard, right? That's what a quarterback has to be. Deshaun Watson, those guys who can just do things that just make you go, Oh my God, the guys who can rack up fantasy points, the guys who just make you want to come out and say, look, entertain me, show me something I don't get to see every day at a quarterbacks, but coaches and GMs don't really think that way. They think, show me a quarterback who's going to put the ball where it needs to be and put it accurately, who has huge mental horsepower, a huge mental engine that can can figure out things in the blink of an eye, which is what Mac Jones is, and who can get the ball where it needs to. And as we develop him and make everything around him stronger, we'll turn him loose a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, to where eventually maybe you have a guy – and look, Tom is the, is the best of all time in terms of how he has been able to get other body everybody else around him to play better and win championships. But that's really, that, that's the arc that his career took. That's the arc that Drew Brees' career took. That's the arc that Peyton's took. And that's what I think, if you can survive without the aesthetically pleasing quarterback who has the rocket arm like, like Josh Allen or the running ability of Lamar, if you have the guy who's smart and efficient and you don't have to win in spite of. And that's what I think Tua can be, and I think you know what you've seen recently over the past month. That's that's why Miami's been winning because their defense has been playing good. He's been yeah. efficient with the football. Next thing you know, they're winning games, and you're kind of like, see, now all of a sudden p- people don't talk about Tua because he's not doing dumb stuff. Now it's just like, oh yeah, Miami's winning. Oh, that's that's cool. You know, Brian Flores, that's great and all. But no, but it's like, oh, oh wait a minute, let's rewind as to why they're winning. He's a big part of that. And so I, I, get the, I get the desire and the, and the want to as far as having that quarterback that can make you go, I don't want to just sit at home and watch him. I'm going to go to the stadium and watch this guy. And Don't think for a minute, Colin, you know this as well as anybody, that owners don't think that way too. Right. I want somebody coming to my stadium and buying gear and buying right. club seats and buying suites because they're like, man, I'll tell you what, you see that quarterback, we got to go to the stadium and see that guy. They don't right. want people sitting at home watching them. So I think sometimes all that stuff gets in, comes into quarterback decision-making that can get teams kind of a little bit sideways as far as how yeah. they're really trending. And I think with two of you, just have to be careful with that. We'll see, though. We'll see. Hey, the NFL regular season heading into its
4: final month of the year. Big Week 13 matchup. Cowboy Saints. FanDuel Sportsbooks trying to make it even bigger. They're giving new customers 30 to 1 odds on either team to win. That means you get 150 bucks and a $5 bet. Uh, it's Cowboys at the Saints, Saints plus four and a half. <sighs> Saints just got beat up. I'd probably take the Saints to cover. Amari Cooper is back, but still dealing with some of the symptoms. He has passed COVID protocol, but he's not 100%. Uh, CeeDee Lamb's only been back at practice for two days. It's a same game parlay. You could add a, a score, an over and under, Dak Prescott over passing yards, Zeke Elliott anytime touchdown, et cetera. Do a same game parlay. When you win, can get paid in two hours. How's that? Already a FanDuel Sportsbook user? They're hooking up all customers. $50 when you refer a friend. Plus, your friend will also get $50 too. Exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Check it out. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund 10 bucks. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook. FanDuel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile slash web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Jersey, and Virginia. Or call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. one 800 270 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee redline is 1-800-889-9789. Or go to 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call one eight hundred Next Step or text Next Step to five three three four two in Arizona.
1: Attention, all wrestling aficionados! Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Die. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver.
6: Apple Podcasts or whatever you get your podcasts.
4: You know, it, it, it's interesting Lewis as a, as a guy with two teams that did the personnel stuff and ran it that it's I was talking to an NFL general manager uh on Thanksgiving actually. I got up in the morning, went for a drive and and called a buddy of mine and he said he said you know, I looked at all these quarterbacks. He goes, "God, I'm glad we don't need one." <laughs> he said, "He said the kid at Pittsburgh's interesting." Mm-hmm. He goes, "I looked at him a picket." He goes, "I looked at him a couple years ago mm-hmm. as a sophomore, but he's no better." I think, I think you saw what he is, mm-hmm. and he's he's not a tractor. He's not going to pull you. Yeah, but you could win games if he gets the right. He's functional, and if he gets the right landing spot, and so it's interesting. Ten teams, nine nine teams. Ten, if you if you if you want, if you think Atlanta needs to draft one and sit behind Matt for a year, yeah. Ten teams need a quarterback, Lewis. Mm-hmm. and you've been in those rooms on draft day, yeah. And the guy's a B talent, but you know, Jay Glazer says this: the most miserable place on earth is driving to the stadium, knowing <laughs> I don't have a guy. That's right. That's right. So what do you, what do you do in your war room? And let's take. Let's take the kid from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Steelers. They got a good defense. Yep. You you see him as a deep second-round pick, Mm -hmm. but you need a quarterback, Lewis. What do you do?
5: Look, I mean, we know that evaluating someone doesn't always mean that you wind up getting fair value for someone. Okay?
0: Well, that's interesting.
5: And the valuation don't always match up. I'm a big Kenny Pickett fan, quite honestly, because I think the way he has worked at his game, mental horsepower, movement in the pocket, enough arm strength, leadership qualities, football character qualities. He's been healthy. And quite honestly, he has carried their team, although it's not they're not playing in the SEC at Pittsburgh. Right. He's carried their team. This year in particular. Now, he's had some good weapons around him. He's got a wide receiver that's up. Jordan Addison, that's up for the Belitnikoff Award. But I value him a little bit higher than some. Okay? Nevertheless, your question being this. What do you do? Depending upon where you're at in your program build and how much patience your owner is willing to have, some teams may sit pat and say, you know what? We're not going to reach like that. We're not going to re- If you don't believe he is a first-round pick. Some teams will, if they don't believe he's a first-round pick anyway, because you're right. If you feel like you have no shot with someone, then you're better off taking a shot on somebody, especially if you know, hey, you know what? I'm in this for the long haul. I have some time. Let's just see how this works out. Quite often, I think Kenny, Kenny's in a situation where, for him in particular, I'd love to see him go somewhere where they have a veteran who's almost on his way out. Atlanta. Exactly, who could be a bridge type of guy. And I think... Someone's going to get a guy who can be a very, very, very good pro in Kenny Pick. I really, I've gotten to know him. I've been able, I'm obviously, it's my school. I've been watching him very, very closely. I know Mark Whipple. I'm going to really pick his brain about him too here in the future, heading up into the draft. They're going to see teams wind up valuing people higher than maybe they ultimately would like because of how crucial the position is. And we know, driven by supply and demand. And that's why. Look, I, it's funny, you know, we, when we go around and talk to these different coaching staffs, you know, for Monday Night Football. And you listen to them talk about the dynamics of the quarterback market last year, as far as what people were asking for, for a guy like Deshaun Watson, what they were asking for, for Russell Wilson and what the Rams ultimately paid for Matthew Stafford. It's going to get more like that. It's going to be more like that, where teams are going to wind up mortgaging the future because of that phenomenon that Jake Laser is talking about. I want to know that I can count on something at that position rather than feel like I have no hope. Right. And that's what teams are going to, you know, and for every, every team that does that, maybe a team will luck up on a guy like, like a Taylor Heineke who this year, right now, he may lead Washington right to the damn playoffs and win that division and maybe sit and have them sitting in a spot where they go, okay, we don't need to go ahead and, and reach for anybody in this draft. If we can find one great, but maybe we found something here Via that, via an avenue that isn't the sexiest, isn't one that's going to have the fans rushing to the, you know, to the ticket sales department and buying up suites. But we're winning games.
4: Yeah. Finally, you've had opportunities to go to the front office. Years ago, I had this discussion with Trent Dilfer, mm-hmm. and he said, ah, "Coaching's a miserable life, man. <laughs> he goes, I'd rather broadcast." And then. He decided he wanted to go into coaching and change lives. Yeah. And he went to Nashville and he's in the state championship. Mm-hmm. And you've made a lot of money. You're making a lot of money and you're experiencing broadcasting. But man, I've been in a war room before. It's freaking cool. <laughs> it's really cool, Louis. And you could you could potentially run one. Mm-hmm. Is that itch? I mean, how do you not think of that?
5: Oh, I do. I mean- I'd be lying if I told you I didn't. And ESPN knows that. I mean, they know it. And I've talked to them about it. And that's why, you know, those avenues have been explored like they were last year. And then we'll see what happens here in the next month or two this year. But it's not, I will say this, it's not the same. It doesn't rip me apart the same as it did when I was in it because of how fortunate I feel with the opportunities that I've been lucky enough to have here at ESPN, Colin, quite honestly, broadcasting at the, at the highest level, doing money like football is different. I mean, that's not just broadcasting. That's, that's different. I mean, things that, you know, some of the greats of all time have ever done. So it's, and what it's done for my family and all, I mean, it's, I'm so fortunate. I, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you, but I'll tell you this. The being measured by wins and losses, the competing head to head with other front office executives and other teams, being around the players, being involved in this in the strategizing and the developing and living and dying with the players and the coaches and, and the support staff, that's something that never leaves you. That's something you can't replace. I don't care what you do. That's why that's why quite honestly, the NFL football, is it, it'll always win, man. No matter how much people complain about this and that, about the NFL, it'll always win. <laughs> I know. It'll always win. And for me, it'll always win. So, yeah, right opportunity, right place. And it just matches up. Of course, it's going to be one of those situations where you go, you know, you have to sit down and you have to talk it over with your, you know, with your, with your decision-making circle, talk it over with ESPN, and you go from there. But I will say that my mindset has changed about it since I have left front office work, but the fire still burns that, you know what I look, I know for a fact I could do it. I know for a fact, I mean, I, I did it for 12 years. I know what it takes. I've learned so much more being on the outside. Now being able to talk to all the different coaches in a different way where I'm really able to pick their brains and talk about team building, uh, staff building, culture building, diving deep into the X's, X's and O's and comparing what teams do to one another, what teams are doing themselves, how they're taking the game, game forward and, and, you know, advancing it. Like I, I am 10 times more smart about the game of football and where it's headed now than, it was, than I was in 2012 when I last was in the front office. 10 times more. And I was taught by the very best. Look, like I played for the very best at the same time in Bill and Nick. I was around Andy Reed, the very best, around Joe Gibbs, the very best, but I'm infinitely more prepared now than I would have been had I gotten a GM job coming out of scouting in 2012. So we'll see what happens, but um, I'm good either way.
4: Well, you were good with us, <laughs> Louis Riddick. I'm happy for your success. I really i am genuinely happy. I
5: appreciate you, man. I appreciate you always way back in the very beginning, always bringing me on your show. We had great conversations, man. I hate it. Great conversations. I hate it when you left. Because I look at every conversation that we had, it was always deep, man. It wasn't just surface talk, it was always good stuff, just like this is right here, and I've watched yeah. you man, I follow you, you know, I, I still see everything that you tweet and you and you say on your shows and stuff. I'm happy as hell for you. I've always considered you a friend, and I appreciate you having me on.
4: Well, you're busy, you got a lot of variables and moving parts, and the fact that you gave us time today, my man, I'll always root for you. Hey. Say hi to Brian Greasy and Steve Levy. Levy is so Boston, it hurts. He's such a. (laughs) Hey, I told him this. I saw him in an elevator two years ago before he got my night football. And I'm a USC honk. Uh And he was doing USC games. And I told him, I said, I'm critical of guys who do USC games. Right. Steve Levy. He knew his shit. Oh yeah. Lewis, he was buttoned up, man. He oh. knew backup tight ends. I'm like, for a
5: Boston guy who loves
4: <laughs> hockey, I'm like, you're doing great. Well, I, so I'm I, really
5: happy for him. I know you guys are happy out there then with this with this new hiring man. Look, I'm oh. I'm a college football buff. I mean, I oh. I think USC, I, I can still remember seeing Charles White playing the Rose Bowl and see that number 12 <laughs> single bar face mask. I, I remember it. I remember it like it's yesterday. So I'm happy for you guys. I can't wait to see them get back on the map in a in a real way.
4: All right, man. Thanks.
5: You got it. Thanks, Colin. All
4: right. That's Lewis Riddick. Follow us on the Volume Sports YouTube channel. Click to subscribe. You get all this stuff, man. You get me and Jenkins and Jones and the J-Boy Show and Middle Cough and Draymond Green. Enjoy it. Watch it. Rate, review, subscribe. Thanks.